This is the Hunt, Fish, and Sears podcast, hosted by Ethan Evans and Tyler Swenson. Today we are interviewing Jackson Rice, a buddy of ours. Jackson lives, breathes, and eats waterfowl, hunting every day, focusing on improving himself, introducing new people, and having fun out in the field. Jackson is here to discuss how he started, suggestions for new waterfowl hunters, a recap on the latest season, and the state of waterfowl today. All right, so I guess we'll just ask Jackson, like, you know, I've known you for a couple of years, but you seem to really talk about like, how did you even start hunting? Uh, well, I was about probably 11 when I started hunting. My uh, uncles have always been big into it. My dad really never was. And uh, they just, they decided to take me out hunting uh, one time at our favorite place, Wood Duck Marsh. <laughs> and uh, I killed my first wood duck there. It was on the water, but. Your uncle waterfowl hunts? Uh, Fabian, my uncle. Yeah, yeah Fabian waterfowl him. hunts. Yep, just I him. didn't know that. Yeah, I thought he, it was just pheasant hunting. He's a really big pheasant hunter, but he does he does a little waterfowl hunting, especially now that uh, we're more into waterfowl hunting. He likes to go along. What What was your first experience like waterfowl hunting? It was uh, it was really good. I I that's really what got me hooked. Killing my first uh, wood duck. It was just it was something, and that's what got me hooked, and that's what keeps me going till uh, today. So like after you shot that first wood duck, or after that first duck hunt, you were just instantly like hooked, or yeah, I was. I was actually really hooked after that and I was always bugging him like, Hey, when are we going to go duck hunting again? And all this kind of stuff. And we did go duck hunting later that season. And it was, uh, it wasn't so good. It was the last weekend of duck season. Everything was completely frozen. Nothing, nothing flew by. So like from like that start to like now is like, has there always been like the same passion or like, I mean, I've seen like you've really progressed into like getting your own decoys. Like, I mean, you've really like stepped your game up from hunting. Yeah. I think my passion has gotten, uh, larger for the sport after, you know, I, got uh or i could start driving and i could start doing it on my own that really drove me and then having someone like uh ty that really likes it as much as i do and it uh yeah it really it really helps having someone else into the sport as well you know someone else to drive each other's passion yeah i mean like i don't think we've talked about this before i mean but you guys hunted like every week in this yeah that's how we it's really fun doing stuff like that just coming home on a weekend after a long week of school and just relaxing with your friends and I, a few birds. I got more sleep at school than I did on the weekends. Yeah, those weekends get really crazy. Because it was like Saturday, Sunday, like morning hunts. You know, you guys, if you guys didn't shoot them in the morning, it was like going out in the afternoon yeah. or scouting all day. So it was a whole weekend ordeal from what I've heard. Yeah, I'd be wake up 4.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, hunt. You don't scratch them out that morning. They go home, take a little nap, do what you got to do. And then that night either hunt or go out and scout around 4 really hard and try to find something for the next day that's pretty much a full day for you yeah i could see how someone could do that for a full-time job like all these uh yeah i mean like i mean i mean especially like you too i mean it's kind of like a 365 season for you too Uh, i mean you're kind of always thinking about it always doing something always thinking about that yeah. yeah if i could do it every day in the fall i would but it's not in the cards right now but i mean even the spring i mean you're looking for permission you're trying to like you know just find out where the birds are at and work on your calling and stuff yeah it's really fun in the spring especially because one of my favorite things to do in the spring actually is uh watch the reverse migration come back north and you'll see some of the most beautiful ducks ever in the spring it's really fun that's what i did uh i did last weekend i just took my girlfriend out and we drove around for a couple hours looked at ducks you get some photos of those i know uh (laughs) i don't know my iphone camera probably wouldn't do them much justice or really (laughs) something to look at did you find anything uh, spectacular out there? Mm, uh, not really. There's quite a few canvasbacks on Rice Lake that are 
really good looking white backs and redheads. It's really cool to look at. Yeah, they're really fun to look at. Um, and other than waterfowl, you really like bird watching just in general, right? Uh, yeah, you can. Some people look at it as something for the elderly, but I, I like watching my bird feeders. I feed a lot of birds. I have quite a few bird feeders in my backyard, and that's what I do. I'll just sit back, watch TV, watch birds on as, a lazy Sunday. As long as it flies, you're interested in it. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, I just think it's so cool. Some of them birds. Yeah. So, um, what did you, or how much success did you have in the last waterfowl season, or what did you think of the last season? I thought it was uh, it was really good for the most part. We had a lot of success from uh, early teal opener to um, uh, about mid-November. The last couple of weeks got really slow. We had really stale birds. Uh, we got a really big push about uh, the start of November. We got most of our mallards in. And then after that, we had a couple of good hunts on them, but then it just really mellowed out and got really slow. Yeah, Um it was a lot of fun definitely being out there. It sounds like a lot of work waking up every morning. Like I said, you don't get much sleep on the weekends because you're waking up when early teal starts. You're waking up at 3.30. Yeah, we, we didn't even sleep on early teal season. We went, we got out there about 11 to the boat ramp at 11. You can launch your boats at 12. We were out there. Yeah, we were at the, out there Yeah, 12 o'clock and I slept in a hammock. You and Helgeson slept in a boat and then yeah, we, we picked up Ethan at... At like 3 30 30. We yeah. up at 3 30. Me and me and Helgeson were all up in the boat. Yeah. We are blind. That was our that was our first ticket that weekend. Yeah, that was just a mental mistake. <laughs> me, we both got tickets. Me and Ty both got tickets. Just didn't buy one part of our license. DNR. The DNR guy around here, Matt Washburn's a really good guy and he knew it was an honest mistake. So he gave us some leeway. We bought our license and he helped us out. Yeah, because what was it? We were turkey, we were turkey hunting, and I guess just a rookie mistake. We assumed that, hey, we got all the stuff to go waterfowl hunting yep. to, and we didn't have migratory bird and got hit with the ticket. But yeah, that was the only year we didn't buy it. So yeah, I don't know. We got lucky. Yeah, that's like a lesson just to be learned. You know, just, I mean, if you're really respectful, like you guys were to those conservation officers, I mean, they're going to treat you well. I mean, as long as you guys aren't being like dicks to them or mean to them. Yeah. He, he stopped us later in the year, too. He talked to us for like 20 minutes about just about the season because he stopped us the first day of the season and then stopped us uh, mid-November and we had a long talk about just what had happened all the way through the season and what the migration was looking like. It was a really good conversation with him. Yeah, because that's another thing. I watch a lot of TV shows where people give the officers a hard time and it usually doesn't end up in their favor. We just... Yeah, I mean, especially like, you know, conservation officers, I mean, they're just, they're out looking for the wildlife, just caring about what we care about too and trying to enforce it, so... Yeah, they're really good dudes. So what do you think about coming from a small town like we do in little Iowa here? What do you think about field competition? How much competition is there for a small area? Um, Rice Lake is a really, really fine duck hunting lake. Has a lot of ducks, holds a lot of birds every year. It's a big pit stop on the migration. There's a lot of competition around local and people uh, coming from different areas, coming to hunt the fields around rice lake and the lake but the competition we have around the field we have a couple main groups that we uh hunt with and compete with for fields and it, it can get pretty fierce at sometimes people people kind of go crazy for these birds and it's just it's weird to see yeah i mean like being around here like this probably like one of the most seasons i've seen like people with duck boats driving by just from like all over the state of iowa minnesota it's 
pretty crazy actually. Yeah, it is. On opening day of duck season, it's just, I drove by coming back from Ty's house. We were probably getting something ready for the morning and there were so many boats at um, one of the Rice Lake uh, docks already at eight o'clock. I was heading home at eight o'clock and it was so crazy. And we were going goose hunting in the morning. We weren't going to, we weren't going to mess with all the public land stuff on Rice Lake. We were just going to kind of separate ourselves from everybody and kind of do our own thing, which was a good idea until we got beat to our uh, field, which again, the competition is really fierce around here. And we should have known that um, there should have been, we should have gotten there earlier, but it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's something crazy. I mean, like the field we were on was private Yeah, and we still got someone beat us there because they all said, yeah, that's the thing. Just some, some landowners will only give you exclusive permission and some it's, they give a lot of people permission and there's a couple that are in between, but a lot around here, it's either quite a few people or just one person. And that's how it is. Did you have any, uh, not necessarily bad experiences, but different experiences this year competing for fields with other hunters? Yeah, I did have one experience that was a little different. Uh, we woke up, 20 already had gotten to the field and there was a truck parked at the other uh, drive in the field and we weren't sure who it was because we were told that we were the only ones that had permission and we didn't recognize the truck. So we just decided to uh, head into the field. We had a couple guys coming down from a town, so we weren't just going to up and leave. So we got up, went into the field, set all our decoys up and that must have angered the other people because they must have thought they were going to hunt the field. And yeah, they were really mad. We got out of the field and they were just driving by us hundred miles an hour. You could tell they were mad. They were scrambling for something yeah, to we, do. We were just sitting on the gravel road, you know, talking to those, yeah. talking to our buddies that were coming down and they just, what, up and hunted a different field. They hunted a field that nobody had permission on <laughs> yeah. and they were, our birds would be circling around and around. We'd be circling. We were hunting field mallards. And at that point they were getting stale, but you had to work them a little bit. You had to work them in and they were right in the path of the circle of the birds. So they would pass shoot our birds when you we were trying to call them in because they wanted in our field, but they had to circle the field that they were hunting to get into our field. It just so happens that they'd pass shoot those birds and we wouldn't have a chance at them. Yeah. Another thing about that competition, you know, we're all trying to work the same birds usually. I mean, it was so cl- close knit that day. Yeah. We had, we had one section and there was a, uh, there were three groups of hunters hunting that one section all on different fields. And it was just kind of, it was kind of a mess in the morning. And then we had a, the next section over, we did have another group of hunters. There's a lot of traffic right there in the morning. Yeah, there usually is in some of those, um, popular spots and especially the boat ramp on the lake. I mean, there's always people rolling in. We've caught people there at three, three, three thirty before. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy. I mean, I think we all love hunting just as much as the next guy, but it's like some of the people just like when it's duck season or any kind of hunting season. It just like brings out a different person for a lot of people. Yeah, some people just take it to the extremes and it get, it can get dangerous at sometimes when people set up a hundred yards from you or are really trying to just get that spot that you're on. Yeah, because we definitely take that into account when we get out and not so much the field, but the marsh. And Yeah, we're really safe. We make sure to distance ourselves from other hunters because i don't want to be raining pellets on them and i hope they wouldn't want to be raining pellets on us <laughs> yeah never happened cross our fingers but yeah i mean like i think always we just try to worry about the next guy and like what we're doing to them and, like what they'd be doing to us so yeah. i think that's something you got to be always conscious about when you are hunting yep that goes with that golden rule that you learned in elementary school treat others the way you'd want to be treated and i really take that into account with hunting yeah it just makes it safer because i 
I mean, I get it. The birds, when you see ducks coming in or you know they're in one spot and usually some of those lakes or marshes, they are only in that one spot. We come off of the water and ask other hunters how they're doing and they say, oh, we only got three birds and we limited out that day. So it it is a big competition to get the spot and sometimes some unsafe actions are taken by other hunters. Yeah, especially on Rice Lake, the birds really, they're either in the their safe zone, the uh, refuge, the duck refuge on Rice Lake, or they're in just one concentrated spot and people know where that spot is and people, it's not like people don't scout on that lake. People are out scouting every day of the week. It's just who wants to get there earlier. From all over too. Yeah, Mason City... Uh, up north people come from Ames area too, Des Moines area it's just insane yeah I mean just back to that safety thing though I mean hunting needs as much advocacy as it can and when you hear about the stories that like happened down in Tennessee those two guys got you know murdered and killed I mean when you hear that kind of stuff it's just not good for the sport of hunting yeah I know that was a really terrible story I read I followed that till the end and it was it was a really terrible story and yeah people don't need to like see that image in like hunting because I no. think that's what we're trying to do here is just kind of show it in a better light yeah especially with bringing uh like your brother out just showing people the good in hunting. Yeah. Like license sales have been down every year. Yep. But I'm, I'm really an advocate for taking younger people hunting. I think we're going to take a couple people hunting this year that I know want to go some younger people. I just love showing younger people the sport. Yeah. You, you are always trying to get new people into duck or goose hunting, whatever we're doing, waterfowl in general. And I know you, we uh, talk to each other a lot of the times like, hey, I want to take this person out or, hey, I want to take my uh, girlfriend's younger brother out or something like that. You yeah. really enjoy doing that quite a bit. Yeah. What is the general consensus like when you take people out? I mean, most of it's pretty positive, right? Yeah. Uh, I took my, me and Swenny took our, my girlfriend's dad and her brother out. It was a positive experience, I guess. Nothing like Safety wise, it was a very positive experience. Everybody was safe, but bird wise, it it was a terrible hunt. We didn't see anything. So not many brownie points that day. No, there were no <laughs> brownie points given that day. <laughs> you'll yeah. have, you'll have to make it up. Yeah, I'll have to make it up to Mike. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a really fun hunt, and also I know we've talked about it before on this podcast, but taking Ethan's brother out for the first time. Yeah, I mean, uh, he still talks about that to this day. He's like, oh, Jackson's a really cool guy. That was a great. I was really cool, and like. <laughs> I was like, like, even we, like we didn't kill anything. We didn't even shoot a bird. <laughs> yeah. We saw those snows, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't matter for those kids, though. They just love being out there with like some role models, like he said in the previous podcast. He he thinks the world of us, and yeah. it's just it's great for him to see us doing that and showing that to him. I know from my experience, I don't remember a whole lot of when I started for first goose hunting, but I ju- I was just happy to be out there. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a big part of it, and I was pretty much. The kid who went and ran and grabbed the geese because the old guys didn't want to. It's the funnest thing in the world. Yeah, that's a, that's almost the best part in some cases. Don't like to waste shells, so other than the marsh. Down. Oh. Ethan don't get me running out in the marsh. Yeah. Ethan loves the marsh. Ethan the marsh. loves the marsh monster <laughs> loves Ethan. You remember that first teal hunt? Yeah, that was a great first teal hunt, especially for Ethan. That, that was, was your that was your first hunt, right? That was my first duck hunt. Yep. What'd you, what'd you think? I thought it was really fun. Like that was my first time. Cause like, I guess like when hunting, you know, everything's always associated like, Oh, it's super cold out. And it's like, it was super, it was warm that day. And we like limited out and we were like having fun in the marsh. And I don't know. It was like my first, I didn't really know what to expect, but like at the end I was like, Oh, I could see myself doing this a lot. The year before that we had kind of gotten actually 
kind of started getting serious about it, me and Tyler and then our other friend, Tyler Helgeson, had actually started getting serious about the season. And we started teal hunting and we shot 18 teal. That was a good morning. And then the next year we brought Ethan along with us and we limited out. We got our birds 24. It was a very nice day. And that was a really good first hunt for Ethan because like that last teal hunt this past year, that was not a success. That last for last year's teal hunt, we scouted our asses off and put Ethan on a really good hunt, put everybody on a really good hunt. And we were done by nine o'clock and it's the same story. We caught off the lake, talked to other hunters and they're like, oh, we didn't shoot very many. And we were really in the spot that morning. We talked to some hunters that were, they were a hundred yards down from us. They didn't, they shot five teal that morning. We mm-hmm. shot our 24 and by nine o'clock. That's crazy how it just works like that. We were on the, on the X, I guess. <laughs> yep. Scouting pays off. It really does. Yeah. It, I was really glad that that was Ethan's first experience duck hunting because some of those days can be like hell trudging through those, trudging through those marshes with a pack full of decoys. You know, we had the boat at that time, but yeah, I mean like I guess I've been on mud before like tiling and stuff, but like when you're out in the marsh, it's like nobody's ever experienced that before walking in like waders and trying to like get your footing and like make sure you're not falling (laughs) in and like swimming into the water. Yeah, mud will suck you right up. Yeah, Yeah. because you, your foot, it must have got stuck in one heck of a hole. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I remember we had to take your waders off to get it out. Yeah, yeah that it was, was, me that was and, crazy. Me and Swanny were both helping him out. That was a wild experience, but I, I was just ha- I was happy when we got on the boat to the ramp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on dry land. Yeah. yeah. I know for bringing new hunters on, it's just fun seeing their eyes light up when birds come in or yeah. just see them having fun out there. Yeah, it is. It's a really good experience for new hunters, especially with uh, teal season. I- I know it can be challenging picking out birds, but we all did a good job with that. And Ethan especially did a good job with that for his uh, first hunt. I'd call him out and we'd knock him down. Yeah, that's probably like one of the biggest things, probably ID and birds. And I'm still yeah. working on that. We're, we've been getting, we're starting to really ID birds well. In our group, we have like that mallard hunt we had, we were really picking out green in that. And that was really fun to see our limited greenheads at the end and barely any hens. That was a really fun hunt. Um, What? I know it depends on if the birds are there or not, but what would you rather take a new or beginner hunter on? Would it be like a duck hunt or a goose hunt? If the birds are there, I'd probably take them on a goose hunt just because geese move a little slower. They're easier to hit. I know they're a little harder to take down, but they are easier to hit because I know some people that are new to hunting, like if they're brand new to hunting and kind of new to guns too, it's really hard to swing and follow a duck that's going really fast like that (laughs) still is (laughs) or something i understand like a mallard like back back pedaling his wings right in your spread but still after you rise up he's gonna peel out of there and Mm -hmm. he's going fast oh and they're gone like crazy yeah (laughs) even teal there's a reason why they call them fast food yeah they're not slow at all i mean like every hunt i've been on so far it's like i mean uh jacks will say like kill him it's like i blink my eyes and we're like already done shooting i already got three (laughs) shells out and like there's some birds laying down and what do you what do you think about being the call man calling shots? I like it. Sometimes I like it a lot. Sometimes we give you a lot of heck for it. <laughs> yeah, but it is what it is. I mean, I'd rather have it on my shoulders than anybody else's shoulders. Like if I make a bad shot call, then it's on me, and I I'll take that. I don't mind taking that burden, and I know I'll just make the be- the next the next shot call better. I'll call it in the right spot. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is like you just need one person like calling and not being like. Like competing with it because I think I've had some yeah. with you guys who are trying to compete with it and it's it's not good when that happens. Well, I know at the start it was kind of we didn't kind of know who was gonna call the shots. Yeah, and it was kind of up in the air. Like we'd be we'd be circling yeah. geese, we'd be calling them and circling them. Like, oh, 
well, who's going to call this shot? You know, so, so when you call, you call, man. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 you. Or there's, or there's even times like we're hunting and, you know, it'd be like Jackson, Jackson can see, Jackson can, can't see the birds and I can. And he's just, he says, so when do you call the shot or you call this one? And I'm almost nervous calling the shot because I don't want to call, I don't want to call it too early, too late, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's kind of time decision. It's it? kind of always been on Jackson's shoulders. Yeah. I have had a couple of times where uh, it's not been a good shot call, but it all ends up working out. Yeah. I would say your success rate's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think so. What do you, what do you think, Ethan? Um, you've got into waterfall hunting pretty recently. What do you think of duck versus goose hunting? Like, what would you rather be on? Probably like anything in the field. I'm not a big over the water guy yet. Maybe that's just cause like the spots that we do hunt just aren't like super big over the water. Maybe if we had like more like river hunting and stuff, but I'd probably take like a field goose hunt for everything. Right? We don't really have any big water yeah. to hunt on. It's all, it's really marsh because open water, like big water on rice lake. There's not ducks out there. They're all in the marsh. And yeah, that's how it is. And it's mucky and stuff. And it's really nice to get your boots on some dry land, some a nice cornfield that birds are really hitting hard. And it's just, it's so much easier because you can just, you can drive your truck out there, set up decoys and you can peel out of there with everything and just walk back to your blind. Yeah, I think I just like the private. I mean, like I'm not, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for public land, but the private land aspect is nice. You just set up and, you know, take your time, not have to worry about everybody competition. Well, especially for waterfowl when you have, I mean, we're not at that scale yet, but even we've got 10 dozen silhouettes and like yeah. three dozen full bodies. You've been there. That's yeah. a lot to set out and pick we'll, back up. We'll be upgrading this year, though. Yeah, but like when I, you guys would be like, oh, I'll be at the field at five. It's like, no way it was going to take us that long to set up decoys and get everything set up. I mean, it, it does, though. I and mean, then with our new uh, A frame blind, it, you got to, you got to still, like, it's already brushed in, but you got to blend it in with, what you got you can't just throw it out there in the field we've done that and it doesn't work yeah that was a big move jackson definitely talked me into getting one of those i think that's probably one of my biggest shocks of waterfall too was like blending in like i didn't know how big of a deal like camouflaging was yeah, and like blending with your environment that's <laughs> one of the most important if not the most important part of it i know i know i would give ethan heck about it he'd have like his shotgun box out of it and it maybe can just it might just be me worrying but i'll be like Put that in your blind. Yeah, I'm a, big, I'm a big worry guy. I worry a lot. <laughs> yeah, I guess like the worst thing would be like, is like, oh, we don't shoot any birds. But like, if we didn't shoot any birds that day, I'd be like, well, what's that shotgun box? You can left out all <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah, and it's probably not, but we just like to give each other heck like that, you know? Yeah. It's it's fun just it's, bickering at each other like that. It's part of it. It's a part of it. I, I really love the social aspect of waterfowl hunting. But I think, you know, like just even like the consumer aspect, it was like bringing a whole nother challenge to it. You know, just like it like made me like rethink everything I was doing with waterfowl. Because it's not like, I mean, a lot of people have respect to like, oh, if you're on the X, you're going to get ducks no matter what or geese. It might be the case. But, you know, if you're trying to really take a leg up. I'd say hiding on the X is even harder. Yeah. Because they've been there for a couple of days. They know what's there. They know there's not a big blind in the <laughs> middle of the field. They, yeah. they know... They know all about it. Yeah, you you really have to be hidden, and picking picking a spot to hide is almost one of the worst parts. Yeah, a fence line is probably one of my favorite places to hide, or just because it's got that tall grass and it's just so nice that you can just pile that on your blinds. Yeah, and you just blend right in, almost disappear yeah, in some you of can that. Really stuff. disappear in some of that, and uh, corn stubble when a field is just cut, it's not turned over yet. That's one of the best places to hide too. They just you just go invisible in that stuff. Yeah, I, I love hunting fresh cut cornfields. Great. 
It's always one of good. my favorite things to do. Yeah. So uh, I guess where would be your dream place to go waterfall hunting? Alaska. What in Alaska though? Like, I mean, like everybody knows like a mallard and yeah. some of that stuff. But like in Alaska, is- there's so many bucket list birds you can check off. And I'm, I want to kill every bird that is in North America. How about, so like if I go up to Alaska to hunt, do I need, is it just like I buy a license and go hunt all those birds? Or are there some that are so rare that I, I get tag almost? Or? Uh, I don't think there's any tags, <laughs> but I know on some ducks, you only get one a year and you got to be picky because again, with the bird ID thing, if you shoot a hen, you shoot a hen. That's, that's it. And I mean, the hens are all right, but some of those Drake birds, like a King Eider or a Harlequin, those are just some of the most beautiful birds in the world. And if you shoot a hen, you're going to go home disappointed. Wait, I thought emperors, you had to draw a tag. Or am I wrong? Emperor? Uh, Emperor Goose. Emperor Goose, I think I'll you do have to up. draw a tag. I think you might have to draw a tag for that one. That's a, probably one of the few That's ones. That's like a protected that, bird. Yeah. Because there's not that many. Yeah, so I guess like, how about like in like, so it's Alaska, like top of the like, list? Yeah, that's really top of the list. And then I'd like to go to Montana and hunt. That'd be really fun. There's a lot of divers up there and there's not that many open fields. So it's a lot of like river hunting kind of type scenarios. How about for like, um, is there anything like, like salt water that you'd like to do? Like Oceanside stuff that? Yeah, like King Eiders in Alaska. That's all yeah. salt water all stuff. Salt water. King Eiders, Harlequin, uh, a bunch of other ones in the Eider family. Uh, old squaws are really, really cool looking birds I'd like to get after someday. What's your dream bird what's the one thing if you had to pick one thing to go shoot oh i don't know probably a king eider that those birds just amaze me i've watched the there's a series on youtube with tony vandemore in it i've watched it a couple times to kill a king it's all about going up to alaska and tracking down the king eider yeah that does sound like a really fun hunt i love alaska so is that like something you want to like cross off your list like that's bucket like you want to cross off like all shooting like all the waterfowl species yeah yeah and we've got quite a few here in Iowa, like me and Swenny crossed off quite a bit of them, like the regular ones, mallard, teal, wood duck, crossed off some widgeon. But every once in a while, we'll get that oddball duck. I shot a hooded merganser last season. We don't really see those around here. Yeah, that was the beautiful l- bird. last bird we ever shot that season, too. Yeah, they're really cool. Well, not we. You shot it. Yeah, I shot them. But we get a lot of beautiful pintails around here that's yeah. one of my favorite birds to shoot around here i shot quite a few that one season i shot five that season wow yeah you got pretty lucky yeah i shot five the limit on them is only one a day though so you got to be careful with that again with the bird iding you got anything mounted yet no i don't i don't have enough money to mount a bird <laughs> i thought about mounting a wood duck i shot earlier this year but just really expensive right now how about like is there anything in europe that's like unique to like something like not North American, like some species that would be like in some other country. Yeah, there is. Um, I forget what the names are of them, but there's a lot of species that are just native to say Europe or I know there's a lot of uh, different birds down uh, down south, like Mexico, oh, South yeah. America. It gets crazy down there. So like, this might be a dumb question, but like, you know how we have like the migrations? Is it different like south of the equator? Like, I don't know if you know. Like that, the flyways? Yeah, the flyways. Like, is it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because like right now, like in the south of the equator, like they're hunting seasons right now. Yeah. I don't know if like ducks and everything like migrate weird down there, but. I don't know. Because there's a lot of different ducks down there that I have never heard of. And I mean, it'd be cool to go down there. I just don't, I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. I think it's just such a different atmosphere than we're used to. Yeah. I know dove hunting is a really big thing down there too in South America. Do you dove hunt much? No, I, I shot a, I had a really good dove hunt this year, but I don't, I don't really take too much to it like it's it's during early teal season 
and it just doesn't really scratch that itch for me to get after waterfall. How's the, how's the meat on them? You know, I've heard people, yeah, I've heard people say they're really good, but I've never had one. I've had really good dove and I've had really good or really bad dove. Okay. Kind of just depends on what you get. Yeah, it really does. And if you eat it fresh or you freeze it for a while and then you eat it, fresh dove is pretty, really good. So it's the bird itself or just how you prepare it? Uh, the bird itself is really good. Um, You're big. You're kind of a big pigeon guy from what I've seen. Have you ever ate pigeon before? Yeah, I have. And it, they weren't very good. It was on a cow farm and <laughs> they kind of picked through the cow's droppings. And it, yeah, probably not too good then. Yeah. Just eating cow shit. Yeah, it's just <laughs> a when they go through the marsh and they eat all that duckweed and shit, they kind of taste a little... They kind of taste a little weedy. <laughs> yeah, they do. It tastes a little off compared to like a nice yeah. field mallard. Nice fat mallard. Yeah. Then it just tastes, then it's just the same as what you're feeding your beef cattle. Corn, <laughs> grain, keep the fat on them. The fat is one of the best parts of that mallard. Yeah, and until you find a BB in it. I found more BBs this season than I ever have. I don't get BBs in my meat. I'm, I'm pretty thorough with my checks. I found a BB in, we made goose sausage this year. Yeah, I ran one BB through the grinder. What, what'd, you, what'd you think of that experience? That was one of my favorite parts of it. After the season, getting together with some buddies and processing all your all your meat that you got from the season, it's really fun. Is is that the way you think you're going to do it with all of your, not necessarily ducks, but more Canada geese? Or are you open to the idea of cooking it like a steak or pastrami well, if, like if we did before? my Canada goose for me, then I'll eat it all the time, but I can't seem to get it right. <laughs> yeah, because Ethan, we've talked about this too before, but... You've pulled goose. We've never done that before. And you no. said it was really good. That was really good. Yeah. I mean, out of all the species that like, I know people hunt, I would say probably some of the worst stigma comes to waterfowl. Yeah, it really does. I don't know why either. Just maybe some people are just bad cooks. That's what it comes down to. Cause I've all my duck I've cooked has been good. Swenny's cooked me really good goose and I've had goose jerky and it's great. Yeah. Like I've gave Sydney goose and like she used to never eat it, but like she loves it now when you cook it. Right. But like I'm part of some Facebook groups or I've seen online. It's like, what do you do with duck? And everybody's like, well, you throw it in the trash. <laughs> Feed it to the dog. Divers, divers really get a bad rap. I don't, I don't mind them though. I don't really eat them. I give them to Swenny. Uh, how come we don't shoot enough divers? Yeah. I feel like if we were able to maybe experiment with them. More yeah. Like we that. don't get that experience like we do with like mallards or keese. We should all try to go on a coot hunt one year because a coot, a coot hunt. we get like a million coots at Rice Lake every year. I heard they're going to start banding them. They are? So people shoot them because they're overpopulated. I suppose that they are really overpopulated. Yeah. <laughs> because there's always like a line. Just, there's just rafts of them out going, in the middle of the lake. Going across the lake and it's not north to south either. It's east to west and that's the longest part of the lake. Well, I wish I could pimp out my fucking lanyard with a bunch of coot uh, bands. <laughs> that would be pretty unique. Have one band. <laughs> That'd be sweet. I mean, I just, I, I know for me, I just want to experiment, see what it's like. You know, it's just like, it's just like a goose. You hear people talk all this trash about geese, but. But is it really that bad if you prepare it right? Yeah. Just like a bottom feeder fish too. I want to start experimenting more with that this year. I don't know if you could feed me a sucker, man. I don't think I could do it. Oh yeah, we could. <laughs> you gotta go. I've caught some big sucker and they go, I don't know. I've you never gotta, even blinked an eye at throwing I, it back. I think the thing is like, you got to catch them like out of a stream. So like they're more, a little more like cold water. Like the cold water streams. Yeah. And, like in Decorah. Yeah. They're in there. I've seen yeah. them. I've caught them out of there, but I never just thought of, oh, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take this home and I eat think it. they're just such an ugly fish. Oh, they are. They're, they're just, not, they're <laughs> yeah. not good looking. They're not charming at all. They're so bony too. 
Yeah, they yeah. are really bony. I mean, that's the one thing that's probably bad about it. You probably throw away a lot of meat. Yeah. Unless you were to pickle them, maybe. Or sucker balls. Sucker balls, crush them, <laughs> grind them. Yeah, because Ethan and I went on a, we went fly fishing one day for him, and all we caught was suckers the whole day, so we started keeping suckers just they, to try it. They put up a good fight, too. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, do. I've caught one on a rod, and I don't fly fish. I I use a spinning reel to fish <laughs> trout, by the way. I'm not, I'm not into it like that. Try fly fishing. I have before and it didn't go very well. You haven't had a good teacher like Ethan. He's yeah, taught me a lot. I fly fished out in Montana a little bit at a at a pond that my cousins own and I mean I caught him. I wasn't doing it right. I was just kinda jiggling the rod out there and not <laughs> casting with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get back to waterfowl uh for calling, goose calling and duck calling. Kinda how did you, how did you get started and what was your first you're experience tough, you're a tough guy to hunt with because you're fucking so good at calling <laughs> yeah like i don't that's even want to i don't even want to try calling <laughs> that's what i heard yeah um well i started my again my uncle baby and really taught me like the basics of it he had a couple calls and he was getting me like hey you know you should try calling and it was a basic it was a goose flute and then a fox an old fox duck call that was pretty raspy started on that got pretty good at it on that and then I bought a cheap call, like a cheap duck call. It helps you along the way, but there's nothing like a, like a nice acrylic call. And you can really, you can really shred on those and really learn. Now I'm not saying you can't, you can't get along with a polycarb call or anything like that, but I, I prefer an acrylic call and I feel like you can do a lot on those and you get a really good, really good sound coming through that barrel. Yeah. Cause you tuned my call up pretty well and mine yeah. was just a, it wasn't a very expensive duck call by no, any means. It was a mid, mid-tier duck call. It's all right. Yeah. We I'm need to, we need to still learn and retune it <laughs> yeah. to what you like. It's tuned to what I like. We need to tune it to what you like. So how good at calling do I need to be the waterfowl hunt? Like to, like if I'm just like, if I were to go out waterfowl hunt, like how confident should I be in my calling? Like how big of a factor is that? You just need to be confident in yourself. You don't need to be a competition caller by any, any stretch of it. Like competition calling and field calling are very different. And you just need to be able to know how to kind of quack at them and, just make some basic sounds. If you're just small duck hunting or small water duck hunting, that's how me and Swenny started out just at a little, little flooded pond. And we would just kind of quack at them. Maybe a little feed call. You don't need much to really start out at it. And you'll, you'll progress. You'll pick it up after a little bit and you'll just want to better yourself with it. Yeah. I think it's like one thing that's crazy about me. I mean, like Ty's told me before, it's like you practice all the time. Yeah. It's, I know he's told me like on his way home from school. Yeah, or I was practicing during, on the way home from school. <laughs> during the waterfowl season, everywhere Jackson goes in his car, he, you tell me that you <laughs> practice. Yeah, you got to keep the calls around the rear view mirror. That's what I do. How do you practice duck calling and driving? Well, you only need one hand for a duck call. It's really like <laughs> doing a goose call like you're driving. Yeah, with the two goose, hands. Goose calling, in my experience, you know, you get. Yeah, you'll be going off the road, but duck calling's pretty easy. You need a Tesla for that. Yeah, <laughs> self driving kind of thing. Yeah, because uh, I, I know for me, it's like I get really out of breath when I'm driving and trying to practice my duck or goose yeah. call. And I got to I gotta take a break for Because I've been while. doing that with my diaphragm calls. Like, that's super easy, dude. Yeah, I've, you can just. You don't even have to have any. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to. Tune the sound one way or the other. Yeah. But if you just want to practice, yeah, it's really easy to do that. We should eventually do a segment where you teach Ethan how to blow a duck call. Yeah. That'd be something fun to do. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I suck at it. Yeah. (laughs) Me and Sonny will just be kind of sitting in the field. Nothing's flying or sitting in the marsh. Nothing be flying. I'll help him out. He'll ask for, he'll ask for a little help on something. I'll be like, oh yeah, we'll do this. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. He's getting, he's gotten a lot better. He's come a long way from 
when we both started. I'm definitely a better goose caller and I am a duck caller. Yeah, and I'm, usually, I'm the other way around. Usually from what you see in here, it's the other way around that yeah. duck calling is easier than goose calling. Well, yeah. like goose calling, like the first video I watched was like, I didn't know hand position was such a big thing with yeah, that kind of really stuff. it's really big. It's really, it's really a big part of it. Like you can right really sound. notice that different sound with the hand positioning. Yeah. It's really important having both hands on that call like that. It really helps with tuning. You can really fine tune your sounds when you have both hands on the call and you're using your hands properly. So what would be your suggestion to new hunters getting into buying their own call or um, using it out in the field or practicing on their call? Uh, if you're going to buy a call, just start with a cheap one uh, or a duck call. If you're going to buy a duck call, start with a cheap one. And uh, once you think you got it, kind of, I'd go with like one, one friend, you know, that has duck hunted for a while. And then, or if you don't have a friend that you duck call or duck hunt with, just go by yourself and figure out what works. Hunting by yourself is some of the best time to work on your things that you got wrong. Your duck calling, your decoy placement, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because you can definitely make a lot of mistakes and not yeah. hear the wrath from your buddies yeah. about it. Feel yeah. so embarrassed about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But goose hunting or with goose calling, I would go buy an expensive call. It's, you can learn the most on it. It's what you'll be using because some, some, uh, low level goose calls aren't, you can't tune them. You can't move the reed. They're in one specific place and you can't get the sound that you want or what reed placement is best for the style of calling that you do. But with a expensive call, you can move that around. You can tune the reed and you can get what's best for you. Yeah. Cause there's a lot that goes into tuning a duck or goose call. You know, I've seen like, I've never, I don't have any experience with it, but shaving the reed or cutting the reed you tuned my duck call for me it's really fun tuning duck calls uh, I mean, that's something that's like pretty nerve-wracking like a new guy because you're like i just got this call and like the last thing i want to do is like touch yeah. a reed on it <laughs> yeah it's like oh, i don't want to screw it up here I'm, i might not be able to get it back to what it was <laughs> yeah because you know what if you cut it too short then then you sound like try a, to follow the video you exactly like kazoo. <laughs> yeah. if you cut too short it's really high-pitched kazoo and if you're too long it'll just sound like a whoopee cushion yeah a lot of guys out on the marsh sound like a yeah it sounds really kazoo like good thing we got rice to bring us duck hunting yeah good thing <laughs> yeah you know it's quite a bit about it yeah nothing wrong being informed so uh professional calling i know you've mentioned to me that that would be cool to pursue what do you yeah. think about it I, i'd love to pursue uh like uh professional duck calling or contest duck calling i don't Goose calling is really cool and it's really cool how much stuff goes into it because there's so much more than duck calling, but I just, I don't really take that much to goose calling. I like duck hunting a lot more than I like goose hunting, but I do, I would really like to be a good goose caller, but duck hunting, if I had to pick one that I'd go on a contest or try to pursue a contest call calling with, I'd go with duck hunting. Or so duck who's calling. judging those? Are ducks judging those? Nah. <laughs> it's, it's depends on how many ducks fly in. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's like how I would judge it. Yeah, it's it's a high level, uh, higher level duck callers or people that have already are professional duck callers, and they will judge it. Okay, uh, where do you think you're at? Because I I don't know about you, Ethan, but I think he's an excellent duck caller. Yeah, I guess that way. Yeah, yeah, like you're you're at the point where like you're way better than like hunting wise. Like you can call in ducks to hunt. Like, yeah. Where do you, where do you think you're at compared to those professionals? Well, I'm a couple steps below them. Because contest calling is a lot different than field calling or, or meat calling and then mainstream calling as a lot of people call it or main street calling is what they say, but there's a lot of different aspects that go into it. There's calls you wouldn't do in the field that you do at comp competitions. And why, why is that? Because I mean, 
my my opinion about it or you know maybe i'm just ignorant to it but my opinion about it is what's gonna bring that duck in yeah like that's how i think about that's, duck call. yeah that's like and maybe that's how i think about it and too. maybe that's more where you want to be it's just what's gonna be the best to bring more ducks into the spread rather than yeah because I'm a, I'm a i'm a duck hunter first i'm not a competition caller first but maybe you know going to those competitions might bring you to that next level of yeah, being a that's duck what hunter. I was, that's what i'm thinking and i would like to pursue it do you ever see uh you ever see yourself just going to listen in the near future just to see what they have to offer yeah but with covid right now a lot of them have gotten canceled okay are there many close by like in the midwest or like how is, is it chester has quite a few mankato up north they really get into it up there huh. with the competition calling and it's really cool do you know like what's like a typical scenario for like a, like how does it even work like it's like give us a little rundown of like how a scenario would even work so so you'll go, obviously you'll go to the place and um, you'll get there and then you'll get up on stage and then the announcer, the DJ will give you a warm up and you'll warm up your call because you got to warm it up so it gets the right sound. You'll warm it up, warm it up and then he'll say call ready and then you'll say yep and he'll say four score and you'll have your time limit and then you'll go through your stage routine and then you'll end and then everybody does that and then. So you have like a unique routine. Or like is that kind of I think I kind of I'll have to look more into it. Yeah, because there's I mean there's a series of what you're gonna do in your call and everybody is unique, right? Yeah. I mean you're more unique to what you you like. You make your own routine. Yep. Just to show off your skills the best. You want to show off your best skills. And that's what's interesting is because I mean it all sounds the same, but the way you do it is different from the next guy. Yeah, and it's really cool in that aspect. Yeah, I mean, like, definitely, like, you know, like, I used to think about it was just, like, like blowing air, but it's, like, really, like, an art to it, more mm-hmm. than, like, what more people would think. Yeah. Some people just overlook how much work goes into something, like, as simple as being good at duck calling or being good at goose calling. There's hours you put in on those calls to make yourself sound really good. So, um, your favorite story or outdoor experience, what, if you were to put a label on it, what would be your favorite? Um, well... I got one for waterfowl and then I got one over in, in general. Our water, my my favorite waterfowl one was probably uh, late last season when we got mallards and we knew it was going to snow about 11 o'clock. So we got out there in the morning and they, they started flying. We had a group come in early that we knocked down some and we had about an hour wait. And then they started really rolling before that snow came in. We shot most of our limit before that snow came in a mallards. We were picking out green heads really nice. Yeah, and we were we were there the day before too. Yeah, we were there the day yeah. before. Didn't shoot anything. We didn't see anything. Well, we saw the speck. Well, we saw the speck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm still kicking myself in the butt yeah, about that. I kick myself a lot. About we don't see those very like often. Nope. Yeah, and then the snow started coming, and they were still snow started falling. We were still banging out our limit, and it was just such a picturesque thing to watch. Just everybody knocking down green heads right in the snow. That yeah. green really pops in that snow. It was just beautiful out there. And I'm glad we all got that experience. Yeah, of, it, was, it was a great experience to have waterfowl hunting. Yeah, it's probably one of my favorite hunts so far, especially like being in a field, seeing those ducks jump in like that. Yeah, that was my favorite hunt ever. So yeah. it, it was like perfect. Obviously, snow isn't yeah. ideal, but the snow was falling so softly that yeah. it, was, it was just beautiful out there. It was it was crazy. Love that. Love that hunt. And then uh, my favorite outdoor experience is probably a time I killed my first deer. Um I was really lucky to have killed a nice deer like that. I killed a nice eight point big body deer. It wasn't, it wasn't your skill coming through. No, it was, <laughs> this was, this was a one in a million shot. It was at my favorite 
favorite place to hunt, favorite place or one of the favorite places me and Swanee like to hunt again, Wood Duck Marsh. My grandpa always hunted back there, so it's kind of like a like a family place. It's a really cool place to go back in. But yeah, I shot him back there. I was post I was posted up. They pushed him towards me, and I shot once. I missed, and I hit him. I hit him at seventy five yards, right, wow. right, right <laughs> in the lung, quarter size hole in the lung, and it was oh, it was awesome. Especially that's a, that's with a slug. Yeah. yeah, with yeah. a with a smooth bore, yeah. rifled slug. That's that's pretty tough to hit deer when they're yeah, on the run. It was, it was pretty lucky, and it was great dragging it out with my uncle. It was really cool to have between me and him. That's when you became a man. <laughs> <laughs> I drank. Or, I had to bite its nuts. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you do? Is that the protocol? I don't yeah. know. Uh, one of our guys, his name is Load, big guy. <laughs> he told me to bite the nuts, or he wasn't going to help me drag it out. <laughs> so you so, did. He said he did it when he was younger, so I felt obligated, like I had to bite the nuts off of it. How old were you when that happened? When was that hunt? I was 17 when that happened. Oh, you're I, 17. I was pretty old when I got my first deer. Well, I never really deer hunted. I never bow hunt. I don't really like bow hunting, but slug hunting is something I do. It's the end of waterfowl season. It's the first weekend of December, it, so it's kind of a right time to take a break from waterfowl hunting and try to chase some deer. You're kind of an all-around shotgun hunter, you would say. Yeah, I like, uh, yeah. I don't really do much besides... Deer hunting and duck hunting. As long as the shotguns in your hand, except yeah. for turkeys. I don't hunt turkeys. I have <laughs> why don't why don't you turkeys? <laughs> why don't you hunt turkeys? Because <laughs> I just never can get one down, and they always outsmart me. Yeah, they're smart birds. You scouted them a lot last year. Oh gosh, I scouted and scouted every night, every every night, just couldn't get it done. And I ended up hunting pigeons. <laughs> I just got too mad at those turkeys. Yeah, because we'd see them and. You'd put them to bed in one place, and the next morning you'd be there, and yeah. no turkeys. All of a sudden, they're across the road. Yep, they were just gone, up and left the place. <laughs> they're a weird bird. They're so weird. They're to figure so out. weird. They can see like it's nobody's business. Yeah. They're so smart too. Yeah, you can't really pattern yeah. them. No, yeah. and, and they can hear really well too. If they can smell really well, like a deer, you wouldn't kill one. No, they're way too smart. Have to hunt them with a rifle or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it works. <laughs> You could maybe in New Zealand. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy to me. You can shoot anything. I was in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what keeps what keeps you going? I don't. It's just that anticipation of getting up with my buddies and going to hunt, going to hunt ducks and possibly shooting ducks. Like on a night of a big hunt, when I scout them and I know there's a lot of birds in that field, I I'll go to bed late and I won't really sleep at all. I'm just too excited to get up and go have that experience or have a chance at that experience. And weekend after weekend too. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's just a drive for it. I think there's always a challenge to it too. That yeah, like it's challenging. Get talked about a lot. You know, just like you're trying to outsmart birds and like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, like people see having success and they're like, well, what is he doing that I'm not? Well, I'm putting in, I'm always putting in that, that time and scouting, uh, calling a lot or practicing my calls a lot, make sure I'm making sure I'm in the right spot, everything like that. Spending a lot of time on it. And everybody's hitting you up once waterfowl season comes. That's right. right. <laughs> a lot of people hit me up during waterfowl season. Well, that's the thing too, though. It's like one thing about waterfowl that I really like, and it's different than big game hunting or a lot of hunting is that it's really social. And it's like, we're all just sitting in the blind, having a good time. And it's not super, like we do take it serious, obviously, but like, it's not something that we take overly serious where nobody's having fun yeah, while if you waiting. take it overly serious it's gonna get old quick yeah it's it's not a fun time i've been on some over serious over serious hunts and it's just not it's just not a greatest experience yeah because i will be we'll catch ourselves playing football with a goose decoy or something <laughs> yeah we start bringing a football out to the blind at the end of the season and it's really fun in slow days when you're waiting 
when them geese are flying just once a day, feeding once a day and just fun way to waste time. Yeah. Or like when we had chase out, I mean, we were doing God knows what outside of, outside yeah. of the blind and the yeah. only geese we saw were overhead. We got yeah. pulled up on some, pulled up on by some snow geese that were going to commit to those decoys too. They were coming right at us. Well, thanks for coming on Jackson. I really had the phone down talking about waterfowl. It's kind of got me hyped up for the season now. Yeah. It, not a day goes by that I don't think about it. It's good. <laughs> you guys had me on here. Yeah. Jackson's always ready for the season. Yeah. Oh, where can we find you? Like where can our listeners follow, find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Jackson Rice. All right. Yeah, I think we're going to also, I think you're going to start doing some stuff for the yeah, show too. I think we're going to be working together and it's going to be really, it's going to be really fun and we'll that'll really be, get after it. That'll be a good time. I mean, I'm, I don't know what you're thinking, Ethan, but I'm hoping to have Jackson make waterfowl, more waterfowl videos than maybe me or you would like to. Cause yeah, I mean, he's our guy. I mean, if you he, want, he's all about we'll, it. Yeah, we'll have waterfowl videos as long as we can, as long as we can film them. Yeah. As long as we can film them and then. I mean, we'll probably have Jackson on a bunch more just talk about stuff and with the yeah. waterfowl. Yeah. It'd be really cool, especially next fall when it's actually happening and we can talk about it as it's going on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we're just kind of just, gets, this is just a primer for the season right now. <laughs> yeah. We're ways out, but uh, it feels like it's not that far away. Yeah, you're already getting ready. Yeah. Already summer, thinking ahead. Summer's really fun. Just getting everything ready, getting new decoys, getting everything just primed for that September 1st. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys.